0: Central Michigan against Unite, this is the CMU Touchline Talk podcast with Cody DeBona and Neil Roseanne. Hello, my name is Neil Roseanne and I'm here with my co-host Cody DeBona and we are here talking some soccer here on the CMU Touchline Talk. Cody, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Neil. How are you doing? Fantastic. We have a packed show for you today. Our first show... Um, starting off with some English Premier League action, we have some weekend preview for you. A lot of derbies coming up this week. We also have some U.S. Men's National Team talk and we're going to play a little game here. But first, Cody, how about you inform our audience of at least just kind of maybe some allegiances in soccer or just your background in soccer?
1: I'd love to. Um, again, my name is Cody DeBona. Um, I actually I play for the men's club team up here. So uh, I'm involved with soccer every day of my life. Um, huge diehard, obviously, USA fan. Um,
0: and uh, as much as people might hate me, I'm a Red Devils fan as well. Well, we are actually both the CM Life uh, Women's Soccer Beat Report as well. Um, I'm uh, obviously Neil Roseanne, and, uh, you know, I really don't... I would like to call myself more of a neutral FC kind of fan, just anybody that plays any kind of game, but I'm definitely a diehard U.S. men's national team fan. I tend to uh, lean more towards... Uh, London teams and Milan teams, kind of that. Also love the BVB mm-hmm. and uh, the Bundesliga. But that's uh, just our background on soccer. We hope uh, you guys enjoy us and don't uh, read in too much to our maybe team alliances or any kind of biases <laughs> we may have. So definitely. with that starting, we have our English Premier League weekend preview. We're going to start with the big one. Saturday at 7.45 a.m., we have Arsenal-Tottenham, the North London derby going to be at White hard Lane. Right now, the Gunners sit fifth with 42 points. Tottenham sixth with 40. Cody, what do you see happening? Um, It's tough, because before la- last games,
1: uh, the last games they played in the Premier League, I would have went with a draw, because you know, Harry Kane's been playing great for Tottenham, but with a 5-0 victory, um, I can't even remember who that was against. Aston Villa? Mm-hmm. Aston Villa. with Coming off a 5-0 victory, I gotta go Arsenal on this one. They just seem to be on fire. I, I know they're on um, the highest win streak in the Premier League
0: currently with three as well. Yeah, that's exactly what I... I am i don't know. I'm a, still a little bit torn on this one. Though mm-hmm. Arsenal have won four of the last previous six meetings, Alexi, Alexis Sanchez will miss this game. But honestly, I don't think that's going to be an issue. This isn't a Gareth Bale situation, given Tottenham, mm-hmm. even though that was a few seasons ago. This isn't, Alexis Sanchez is not Gareth Bale to Arsenal. Uh, the Chilean has scored 12 goals this season, setting up another 7, but Arsenal scored 44 Premier League goals. So, Arsenal have, they also have 14 different goal scorers, which mm-hmm. is the most in the English Premier League, which means, you know, they're going to be scoring from all over the place. Yeah,
1: I agree. Uh, they're one of the only teams that, uh, It just I feel like anybody could score at any time, and uh, I think uh, Giroud's been playing great up top as the lone striker as well.
0: Yeah, it's going to be one of these things where Arsenal also, well, I should say, they also lead the league in interceptions per match. They are about 19 every time. So it's going to be, uh, it's just going to be up and down. It's just going to be exciting. But honestly, I'm not sure where it's going to lean, but I'm just going to lean Arsenal 2-1 just simply because they have so many more options. And right now, if you look at Tottenham, all all you have to look at is just Harry Kane, and um, Christian Eriksen, and once you neutralize those two, where are they going to hurt you?
1: Absolutely. I, I think um, defensively if they lock down um, the midfield, I mean it all starts with Eriksen every time. Mm-hmm. So you lock down Eriksen, don't give
0: up any silly set pieces, I think they'll be good to go. I agree with the 2-1 victory as well. So 2-1 to the Arsenal. I know a lot of Tottenham fans not going to like to hear that one, but hey, Arsenal always seem to be finishing atop Tottenham in the end of the year. Uh fourth place, yeah, usually. fourth place. <laughs> <laughs> so moving from that, we have another derby here, the Merseyside derby. Liverpool, Everton, Reds versus the Toffees. Reds right now, Liverpool, they're sitting in seventh with 38 points. Not where they exactly want to be, but the Toffees are 12th with 26. That's mm-hmm. definitely not where anyone expected them to be. Uh, big thing looking into this one, Everton has no wins in the last six matches with uh, Liverpool. So where do you see this one going, Cody?
1: Uh, it's tough because both teams have struggled. Um, I think Everton struggled a bit more, but they they did have a huge victory against say uh, against a pretty good uh, Crystal Palace team, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, Liverpool have Sturge back; that's huge. Um, I read a statistic the other day that it took what 14 minutes for Sturge to score and 14 games for Balotelli to get a goal. So, I, personally, I don't even think this one's going to be close. Uh, I I got to give it to
0: Liverpool. I have a little different feeling about this now. Now I said Everton hasn't won in any of these last six meetings. They have drawn four times, including that one-one draw in September. That wonderful Jackie Elka goal. Oh, yeah. You watched it on NBC. It was fantastic. Um, I just—they've Everton's leaky at the back. They've given up thirty-six goals this season. But Liverpool just can't seem to score. When Steven Gerrard. Is your leading scorer, and you're shipping him off to the LA Galaxy. I just don't think that they're going to be able to really score that much. I also do believe that they're going to be tired coming off that FA Cup replay against Bolton. Mm-hmm. That was one, you know, you had to play 90 minutes in that one. And, you know, it's just going to be a battle of attrition. One of these teams is going to, they're going to fight. It's just going to be gritty. It's going to be that traditional derby. I still think it's going to end 1 1 again like this previously this season. Who are you going to give the goals to on this one? I I don't know who for Liverpool. Honestly, it could be anybody on Liverpool. Romelu Lukaku for Everton. It'll be early, and it'll finish 1-1, pretty much summing up the campaigns for both of these teams. teams. Very lackluster. I agree. And we're going to move on to our final match of this weekend. Um, Not one that you would have circled at the beginning of the season in, in August, but Manchester United, your Red Devils, versus... West Ham the devils are third with 43 points right where maybe you kind of maybe where you want to maybe a little bit lower but the hammers of West Ham are coming on strong in eighth they've dropped off a bit but they have 36 points you're the man you expert where do you see this one going
1: you know before the replay against Cambridge i would have given a victory uh for West Ham the hammers I, there's some about them this year uh, Big Sam's just led the team, and uh, everybody, even all their supporters, are behind him this year. And I mean, with the additions of uh, Eda Valencia, um, it's it's a tough one to call. I, I could see it ending in a draw very easily. Um, the goals aren't coming for uh, a lot of the um, Red Devils players, including Van Persie. Um, personally, I I don't know if we'll start. I, I would put Falcao over him um, just because he generates more, works a bit harder but that's not saying that West Ham's not one of the
0: hardest working teams in the league. See, I see that and I I just think that Red Devil's quality is going to rise to the top. The cream always rises to the top. And even though this is a hollow stat with possession, um Man United very high this year with a 40 averaging about 59% of just possession. And then West Ham are only averaging 46. Now, that's a team in the top half of the table averaging 46. So, it's going to be a game where Manchester United are going to be able to get their chances and they're going to be able to hold on to the ball. As long as they can um, stop any kind of counterattack or just hold on, just you know, just stay sound defensively. Make sure that you don't let in, don't fall asleep or anything like that. And just make sure that you can just stay on top of them. I honestly think, Man U, probably I'm saying 2-0.
1: Yeah. 2-0. I I I could go either way. It's tough, and I and I do agree with you, especially for the um, counterattacks, because that's what kills them. They have they got nobody in the transfer window for the back. They're really struggling. Um, the, one of their best defensive midfielders, Fletcher, he's off to West Brom. The counterattack can kill them. They have they have to have the possession. They're not going to win without the possession. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think Juan mach has been playing great in the midfield, and I think he's definitely going to help them if they are going to uh, come off victorious in this one.
0: Yeah, midfield play is going to be big, and if uh, as as uh, Louis Van Gaal has been saying recently, it's a very physical league, the Premier League. So as long as they can be, as I, it seems like all coaches everywhere in all sports want to say, be more physical, whatever that is, you know, getting those fifty-fifty balls, whatever that is for Manchester United, they just got to make sure that they can do that. And like I said, the cream will rise to the top. So that's our English Premier League. Uh, preview for this weekend i hope uh if you get a chance to watch any of the games always on nbc hope you have a great weekend watching those but also this weekend on sunday u.s men's national team playing a uh i wouldn't i don't want to call it a pivotal friendly but a kind of big friendly right now against panama you might want to push the panic button because the u.s are winless in their last nine games dating back to the world cup Terrible second half performances have plagued the US, which has caused your good Klinsman to call into question the fitness of the team. But never fear, it's just Panama, right? Wrong. Right. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> yeah, this yeah, I would agree. This is pivotal. This is huge. Nine games? That is I mean, they're playing some good teams, but they're playing they're playing Chile's, you know, second team. Um it's huge. And for you're gonna call the uh the fitness levels, uh, I think it's kind of a scapegoat personally, especially uh, it's known that American players, are, they're, they're tough, and they,
0: they work hard, and they're they good fitness. I am not panicking. This is a friendly, and it's after a <laughs> World Cup cycle. We are playing three at the back. Three defenders, five midfielders, two strikers. Something we've never done. Something that he says that they need to work on to get into their arsenal, knowing that they don't have it right now. So he's going to continue to tweak. And this is just tweaking right now. If we wanted to go throw out our best 11 right now, we could go. We, we could have taken that, I believe, I should say, that we could have taken that Chilean team and just done what we wanted to with them because it was the second team. Now, see, this 3 5 2, yes, I agree with Jurgen. As much as it sucks to watch it right now, especially with Jermaine Jones converting to center uh, uh center defensive back, you know, it's just it's gonna be ugly but we need to learn how to use that for the next World Cup cycle, especially when we're going to use players like Yedlin and Fabian Johnson. Just with how the speed that we might have on the wings going into 2018, you know, we just, this is what we need to do. So I'm not really too worried about it. The only thing we need to work on, though, is not relying on Jermaine Jones so much because our midfield sees a little bit hollow to me without his presence there.
1: I agree. Uh, I think it's definitely hollow without him. And Usually when, when you play formations, you want to play to your strengths. I mean, and uh, a three-five-two. That's you gotta have the strength in the midfield, but you gotta have three solid center backs. And you're right. If we're putting a, putting out our best, you know, eleven, the center backs would be better and sound and you know how to play with each other. And these players haven't. We're we're bringing in new players. We're switching everybody out. But I, I just think, I think for America to stay behind the teams, stay interested, because we aren't
0: a, a soccer country like most. We gotta win games. See, I don't think that this is really the point when you would really need to convert anybody. Like, a lot of there's some people I know who are interested in the team and don't even want to like watch these friendlies. Like, I don't know. It's gonna definitely be something that they're. It's just gonna be. They're just gonna be tweaking. So, but the thing is, is that we, as U.S. men's national team fans, we don't have. I've talked to you about this before. We don't have exactly something that we can put like put all of our interest into, like the Euros or like other international competitions all the time to gauge ourselves against the world's best. So when we do get these chances, we freak out about them when we realize that maybe, you know, it's just something where we're experimenting still. And it's right after a World Cup scenario, so this is Jurgen trying to pick his team for three years in advance, which means these guys probably, or most likely, are not going to be good enough to play right now, which is why he's giving them the time against some of these... You know Chilean second team sides are in Ireland, such as that.
1: Right. Uh, you know Jurgen, he's given them the chances, and that's awesome. That it gives them a competitive edge. It gives them a chance to go show show what they've got. Hopefully, make make themselves get the call back for the camp. But um, for him, if it wasn't a pivotal game and for him to call out their fitness levels, I would be a bit offended if I was uh, if I was in the camp personally.
0: Well. I guess it's just the nature of the US men's national team every game is a must win. Uh I don't I don't necessarily believe in it, but I believe in that, but I just more people I talk to, I see that that seems to be the majority of what mm. people are believing. So, that'll be on ESPN this weekend, this Sunday runs with a doubleheader of the women's national team. Better watch that one. It's going to be a great set of uh games and a great afternoon for soccer. Um So this brings us into our game section, which I don't know if I'd really call it a game, but it's more of kind of a deal or no deal. I'm going to ask Cody here about four different uh, situations here and if it's a big deal or if it's not a big deal, giving us the deal or no deal. So the first one, Borussia Dortmund lost 1-0 yesterday to FC Augsburg to drop to bottom of the Bundesliga with 16 points. They are just two points from climbing out of the relegation zone with a little less than half of the season left. But this isn't something that we should expect from a team that finished second in this league just a season ago. Is this a big deal, or is it not such a big deal? If they weren't still in the Champions League,
1: it's a big deal. But since they are in the Champions League, I think they're just throwing other coins into it. They'll stay alive. They'll be in the Bundesliga next year. They're just putting other chips into uh, into the Champions League at this point, I think.
0: If you just look at the video, it's out on YouTube of Matt Hummels and oh, Weidenfeller going over to the fans and talking to them about just the, all the discrepancies with this team and all the problems. This looks like a team, to me, that is defeated. They've only scored 18 goals in 19 matches. If they're going to compete with the best in Europe, Bayern have scored 43 in that amount of time. So I still think it's a big deal. Obviously, I have a little bit of a bias towards that, but I... Yeah, you can't expect this squad to win the Champions League and keep you in the Champions League. So at some point, it's just going to, like you said, they're going to have to put all their coins in there, put all their chips into that, and make sure that they win that so they can stay in the Champions League and keep that Champions League money flowing in. Mm -hmm. But huge deal for me right now because I don't think that that's able to happen. But sticking with European mega clubs or even maybe the mother of all mega clubs, Real Madrid and Colombian star, James, don't call me James, Rodriguez will miss two months with a broken foot. He suffered the injury in a 2-1 win over Sevilla, and he has scored 12 goals for uh, in all competitions for Los Blancos this year. Is it a deal, a big deal, or not so much of a big deal?
1: They have depth. If any team has depth, it's, it's Real Madrid. Um... I, I, I do, I would say it's more of a big deal because he he's huge in the midfield for him, especially in cha- uh, Champions League competitions where I'm guessing they want to win it again. I mean, I, I would call them the mother. So yeah. it's they're expected to win. They lose the World Cup star himself.
0: I think it's a big deal. To me, originally I wanted to go not such a big deal because Real Madrid, they're essentially that kid on the playground that was collecting all the Yu-Gi-Oh cards and you'd play him, you'd battle him. And he had that blue eyes, white dragon. He'd have all of them. That's what they do. And when they have just even a really nice card, you'd be like, oh, I have like this, some like the pieces of Exodia. Oh, I'll trade you one of like my four blue eyes, white dragons for that. That's literally what they are. They're just trying to collect the best to have the best. Mm -hmm. So they have depth. But he is their strongest, like one of their strongest midfielders, especially on the right side of the field. And they play Atletico Madrid this weekend. They're only four points atop. La Liga, and in that span in which he's going to be gone, they're going to play Barcelona. And with four points, and with all these teams coming at you, it's going to be a big deal just for when it comes in, just the time, because they're going to have to adjust to that. So, big deal for both of us. All right, AC Milan may be looking for a way out of the San Siro in the not-so-distant future. The club has proposed a new 48,000-seat stadium in the Portobello area of Milan, which should seat up it uh, could seat up to uh like i said forty eight thousand and it was set to open in twenty eighteen the cube like structure is very much smaller than the rossolini's current home, which seats about eighty thousand but given the Italian economy and the fact that the stadium is never full, is it a good move for a c milan
1: no uh in in the long run, no, I don't think it's a good move. I mean, yeah, you're not filling up the stadium. You're paying for the stadium. But you got to pay to build the next stadium. And with plans what, four years in advance, three years in advance, I don't think it's worth it personally. I did see the plans. I mean, it looks like a great stadium. It's something to get excited about when your team's playing very mediocre the past couple of years. But, uh, yeah, I, I
0: mean, I don't think it's going to help them. Once again, another, uh, another disagreement here. <laughs> I think it's fine because – it worked for Juventus. I know that that's just, oh, Juventus. That's the classic Italian club. But it, I just think that it'll do bounds for AC Milan. They won't have to always have that tie with Inter Milan of always playing in the same you know stadium as them and having the same grounds. You know, I think it'll work out. And maybe they... What happens if you were to go down to... if Not saying that they would. They've had a little bit of a run-in with some bad form. But what if you were to go down to uh, Serie B? then 80000 is definitely not going to fill it up. Plus, I don't know if I... I, The design looks cool, but it looks like a bunch of Lego blocks to me. It (laughs) really does. It's very... When I mean a cube-like structure, I mean very cube. If you look up the pictures to that, very cube-like. I think it's a good move just on the fact that it'll make it a little bit more intimate setting for everybody. And, hey, you don't have to share the grounds with your bitter rivals, Inter Milan. So... And then our final one here has to deal with some rule changes that have been proposed. Reuters is reporting that FIFA has possible rule changes on the horizon. FIFA is looking into to add a fourth sub to matches that will go in at extra time, and they're looking to put an end to triple punishment. Triple punishment is when a player concedes a penalty, is given a red card, and then has to serve a suspension, pretty much giving what you could say almost like this hand of death just to the team that he plays for, just totally obliterating him for a a few for like at least two games afterwards so this matters these matters have been on the docket before but have not been resolved so is it a big deal or not so much of a big deal saying it's on the docket
1: is i, I wish it was actually more of a possibility because i do like the idea because the, it's just it's ridiculous sometimes especially use three sub we saw with the atletico madrid um they thought their players all right with Diego costa had to come off early and then uh, they're just so tired in the 120th minute, they just get punished by Real Madrid. Um, but, I, I mean, I saw earlier they proposed a white card, the, uh, you know, like an earlier yellow card. I don't see it going through, but I do like the idea from FIFA, and I like that they're still using their brains.
0: Yeah, these, these are great ideas, but kind of like the, you know, just with how baseball is, they were so, like, caught up in the history of the game to let in replay. So this has been in for a while. I don't think it'll happen. It should because obviously with that fourth sub for at least extra time, you know, the teams need it to go. It's hard enough to go three uh, to go with three subs for 90 minutes, and especially with all the injuries that can happen and all the and everything else. So I really think that that's a good uh you know, that's a good rule to possibly have here in the future. As for the triple punishment, I really do believe that You just can't have that anymore because especially with how refs in diving, especially, you know, they're so quick to draw the card as well when really it should maybe just be a penalty. Mm -hmm. Especially you have handball penalties and then you have obviously the egregious tackles in the box. So there, there needs to be more black and white in such a gray matter. And the more rules you're able to implement leading up to the ultimate punishment, fine with me just so that you know you don't get oh well it was a penalty and he deserves all this when half the other when half the media and everybody else who saw the replays is like oh that was that was totally not justified so it's always good to add more clarity to the game which i believe that this is but honestly is it that big of a deal that they it's on the docket no because we've seen it before and FIFA will probably fail us again on at least these rule changes so that brings us to the end of our proceedings tonight. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, I also hope that you become a week that this becomes maybe a weekly uh, supplement to your soccer loving needs. I guess uh, I don't know how else how else yeah. to put that. L- local but, soccer loving needs. Yes, may, <laughs> come talk to us. You you probably can see us on Twitter. Uh, you know we're always at the paper. We're yep. probably hanging around CM Life or on campus somewhere. So I guess if you see us, don't be afraid. Come and talk some time. To- uh, Talk some talker? What am I even saying? <laughs> Talk some soccer, football, football, whatever you would like to call it. But anything else, Cody? Follow me at cbones8 on Twitter. I tweet about mostly soccer. Yep, I'm at Neil and Sports. Talk a lot of women's basketball, obviously, because that's my favorite team here. But a lot of soccer as well, especially during U.S. Men's National Team Games. But I hope you enjoyed uh, our podcast here. And for uh, Cody DeBona, I'm Neil Roseanne. Have a, have a great night.